I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of spoilers. I didn't come here to tell you how 1999's The Matrix is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to show them a podcast without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A matrix where anything is possible. Where we go from there is the choice I leave to you. Whoa, it's full of spoilers. This is Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends compete to improve film's most dastardly schemes. I'm your host, Craig, and this week's movie is 1999's The Matrix. So, Peril Pals, race to answer a rotary telephone, ease that data spike out of your skull, and let's get diabolical. Welcome to this week's episode. As host for this week, I'm captain of the panel of peril. Who will compete against me at the close of the show to come up with the best alternative plan for the movie villain of the week before we vote to name this week's most diabolical? As ever, I'm joined by three known terrorists. Please introduce yourselves and tell me, what is your favourite David Fincher film? (laughs) Oh no, hang on. (laughs) Actually. Please introduce yourselves and tell me, what is your cyberpunk hacker alias? Hello, it's Adam here. Uh, My Matrix cyber name is Zioni McZion. Inspired by Bob Marley? No, inspired by you saying, (laughs) make it more Zioni or (laughs) Matrix-ish. Nice. (laughs) So I thought... Zion McZion, you can't get much more Zion than that. Zion McMatrix. I was going to say Iron Lion Zion, but, you know, I just thought, no, be too reggae for this podcast. (laughs) Gareth. I'm Gaz, and my hacker alias is, oh, let's just say Mo. (laughs) (laughs) Lord Manly Supreme. I'm Lord Manly Supreme, and my hacker alias is Morph. (laughs) I want people to say, Morph years ago. No, Morph. That's precisely why I didn't say that, because I knew you wanted me to say it. So I'm not playing your games. (laughs) As for me, my cyberpunk hacker alias is Spellcheck. (laughs) Spellcheck. Time now to delve into this week's film and its year of release. In cyberpunk events of 1999, Napster, the music download service, is created, changing the way music is consumed forever. The Melissa Worm computer virus is released online, disrupting email temporarily. The words blog and texting are added to the Merriam-Webster dictionary. And Sony releases its first IBO robotic dog to consumers. At the box office, Robin Williams was showing us a more melancholy take on artificial intelligence as the Bicentennial Man, but was eclipsed by the superheroics of the Iron Giant. Sci-fi was treated to one of its most affectionate and beloved lampoons with Galaxy Quest, while the previously solid reputation of the Big Willy Weekend saw its first wobble, as could have been Neo casting choice Will Smith plumped instead 
to finally bring us John Peters' long-promised war on gigantic steampunk spiders in Wild Wild West. The Matrix was a hit with critics and audiences who flocked to see the novel and impressive bullet time sequences, boasting fluid and expressive fight choreography, striking design, achingly cool costumes, that infamous idiosyncratic green hue, and creative and stylish visuals and editing throughout. The Matrix looks and feels like anime come to life, helmed with incredible confidence and swagger by the Wachowskis, then best known for cult sapphic crime thriller Bound. The Matrix sees somnambulist office grunt Thomas Anderson, aka as Hacker Neo, doggedly pursued by both ruthless agents of an unspecified law enforcement agency and a mysterious cabal of hackers, as he strives to answer the question, what is the Matrix? After being caught by both, the horrifying truth is revealed, that the world he knows is a simulation designed to keep his body producing heat in a pod full of amniotic fluid to power the machines that now rule the Earth. However, as the possible reincarnation of a being known as the One, who is singularly able to break the bounds of the digital world and perform superhuman feats, he is given the chance to aid the Resistance in their fight for freedom. Now, we're going to be trying out a brand new game this week, and I know this has been a running gag, but this week it's actually genuine. So, the game this week is... Two blue pills and one red pill. Now, as I say, this is genuinely a brand new concept, so I'll take some time to explain the rules. I'll give you one true fact or red pill about the Matrix, and two blue pills, which are clever red herrings, or blue herrings <laughs> in this case. If you take the red pill, the truth will be revealed to you, but take either blue pill and you have to carry on living in whatever this is. Number one, Keanu Reeves' Speed co-star, Sandra Bullock, was offered the role of Trinity, but turned it down when Will Smith was still attached to play Neo. Number two, Keanu Reeves' The Lake House co-star, Sandra Bullock, was offered the role of Neo, but turned it down because it just wasn't for her at the time. And number three, the Net star, Sandra Bullock, was offered the role of Morpheus, but turned it down because she didn't want to be typecast as a computer geek. And one of those is true, a, a, uh, a red pill, and the other two are false. Uh, what was the second one again? I know which one it is. Number two, Keanu Reeves' The Lake House co-star, Sandra Bullock, was offered the role of Neo, but turned it down because it just wasn't for her at the time. Hmm. Quite hard, isn't it? None of them sound true. Trinity sounds quite true. I'll go with Trinity. She was off of Trinity. That's probably one of the red herrings or blue herrings. It's one of the herrings. They're all herrings, aren't they? If you pick a herring, you're bound to win. So it's it's win-win, essentially. No, you've misunderstood, I'm afraid. <laughs> we all love herrings. <laughs> so it's like one of those, you know, grabbers at the, at the amusement where you can keep having a go and eventually you'll get a watch worth 50p, even though you've inserted a quid. I've got to pick the red herring. That's the blue herring. No, you've no. It's it's a grabber. <laughs> you collect the watch with which herring am I trying to collect? All right, next week I'm going back to the normal format because this is a disaster. <laughs> Have I got to choose the false one? No, <laughs> one of them's true. And two right. of them are false. Right. Okay. Okay. So I was right. Yeah. So I'm going with a uh, Trinity. She was she was off a Trinity, but uh, didn't go for it because Will Smith Will Smith was attached. Will Smith. Will Will Smith. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll also go with uh, that because I know it's true. Uh, I'll go with Morpheus then. She was offered Morpheus, the role of Morpheus in The Matrix. Well, all right. So I can tell you that none of you are right. And Turner's fallen for the old incorrect movie database, which incorrectly reports this Trinity bump. But the actual truth is that she was offered the role of Neo. Oh. <laughs> Let's find out what the panel of peril thought of the film before we throw open the chat to talk in more detail about our favourite aspects, sequences, and lines. So, uh, what did you guys think of The Matrix Has It Held Up? Uh, let's start with you, Adam. Well, basically, it's another cinematic place marker, isn't it, really? I remember us all being hugely excited and at the time, particularly around the release and then kind of leading up to the sequels and all that kind of stuff. Visual effects, I'm struggling to think of a, a movie, perhaps, I'd still think it's second place, but Avatar probably is second place to this for special effects of a movie most discussed. But this was really one of those the films that caused everybody else to reevaluate where they were taking their special effects. And it is phenomenal. And I think it still stands up to the test of time. I think the CGI still looks pretty decent. The way the whole film is shot, I will get into all that. But yeah, I, I've got endless love for this film. I think I can detect a slightly more cynical air from Lord Manly Supreme. What did you think of The, the Matrix? So before this rewatch, I hadn't seen it since 1999. And back then, it didn't do enough to hook me for the second and third films. And that hasn't really changed with this watch through. I know it's it's just a taste thing because I see how beloved it is. Mm. But for me, 24 years felt about the right amount of time to go without watching it. So I'm fairly certain I won't watch it again in my lifetime. Because men in my family tend to die in the six, their early sixties, yeah. and even if I do, <laughs> even if I do live that long, I can't imagine being sixty-four and going, "Ooh, I might pop on the Matrix while I suck my feet." Oh, Grandchildren on your knee. Come on, grandkids, <laughs> let's gather round and watch the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> if you make it, I'm going to make you watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so there were elements I liked, and we'll get to those later. But all things considered, I won't be dressing up as the Matrix for Halloween anytime soon. <laughs> How would that even work? Just like loads of green shit, like in Biro, all down your skin. Possibly. But we'll never know because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, and uh, Gaz, what about you? Well, if you ask me what my favourite film franchise is, there's only one answer for me. That's Evil Dead. If you ask me what my <laughs> second favourite film franchise is, uh, is there Halloween? an answer for me? It's Halloween. If you ask me what my favourite oh. science fiction film franchise is, it'd be The Matrix. <laughs> if you got there in the end. <laughs> I did, I did. I always get there in the end. <laughs> I think it holds up brilliantly. I think, obviously, it's dated in, in some ways. In regards to mm. the fashion and the technology and so forth, but I still think it's an incredibly cool film. Mm. Even musically, that that soundtrack was like the hottest thing in movies for 
probably mm. our lifetime up to that point and for years afterwards. Yeah. And, and that's dated, mm. but it's, it still retains that cool edge. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, the fight scenes, we'd never seen anything quite like it in the West beforehand. The philosophical underpinnings are way above what blockbuster cinema we'd be used to prior to that. And it, it did kind of elevate the genre as a whole, in my opinion, to a higher level as to what that kind of filmmaking could be. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a nailed down five out of five film every time. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, perhaps unsurprisingly, given that I picked it as my final film of the season, I'm in complete agreement. I, I was fully expecting to enjoy it, but even for me on this watch, something extra clicked about it. and. I, I've written more notes for this than I've written for anything we've done on the podcast so far of just me just kind of drinking it all in. So excited and, and drawn in the whole way through. Um, I had a great time with it. The last note that I wrote on it was, holy fuck. And that's when I, <laughs> when I got to the end. Because <laughs> it, it was a real kind of energizing moment getting to the end of it. and Yeah. Yeah, I massively enjoyed it. Yeah, there's so many little sequences you forget that are in it. I haven't seen it for probably three or four years at least, I would say. And there was loads of little bits. So I was just like, oh, yeah, I fucking forgot all about that. And- yeah. Yeah, The uh, as Gaz mentioned, the, the soundtrack still really oh, cool. I, I love uh, especially that song, Club to Death, from the, yeah. the sequence where they're walking through the, the city hmm. and he sees a woman with a red dress. I think that song's still so cool. Yeah, and it made me get into French cinema at an early mm. age because there's a there's a French film called Club to Death. So mm. I was back then watching BBC Two at two in the morning every <laughs> every night. <laughs> but also, I think the score's really cool as well. You know, when the Warner logo comes in and yeah. it just right away you know that you're in the Matrix franchise and oh, it's magic in it. Yeah. I think it gets better as the franchise goes on as well. The the score, the the Burley Brawl score in Reloaded is mm. my one of my favourite pieces of film music ever. It's yeah, just yeah, banging. Yeah, it's amazing. Does anyone else remember that Gaz? And I don't know if it was related to the Matrix, but I assume it was. Used to want a leather duster. Did I? Like the long leather jacket. <laughs> Could have been Buffy related. <laughs> I remember you buying those um, leather boots with flames on from Real. Uh, no, yeah. I wanted to. I, I never got them. <laughs> oh, you never got them. You wanted them. Because they weren't there like 100 quid. You, didn't, you yeah, never got them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what What would that be adjusted these days? About 600 quid. <laughs> Did you ever get the leather duster, Gaz? No, no. God, no. <laughs> I just, I'd, li- I'd like to see Gaz walking around town with the leather duster, no shirt. i tell you what I nearly bought today uh, bef- before I checked myself. Uh, a Wu-Tang Clan t-shirt with a massive logo on the back and I, I was walking around with it ready to buy it and I'd left it just long enough to be like no nah, I'm a 41 year old white man I, I don't need a retail t-shirt <laughs> yeah. that's a very wise it's choice it's more appropriate you buy a buy a, a, a t-shirt with crowded house written on the front <laughs> or the beautiful south yeah, yeah. carry on up the charts <laughs> <laughs> I, so what I was also really impressed by on this watch is the editing like uh, at the start when the zero in the binary code you go through it and you see the, oh. the kind of 
the light and then it comes through to the torch, stuff like that. And yeah. all of the shots that are in mirrors, there's so many of them as well, mm-hmm. like in reflections in sunglasses, in uh, the bike mirror, in the mirror he puts his finger in. I hadn't seen anything like that at the time. I think they had to do that all digitally, didn't mm-hmm. they, at the time? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. Was, which was really cool. They direct the hell out of this one, don't they? I think that's one of the main flaws of all three of the sequels actually is that years of prep time for the matrix just trying to get it made so every camera yeah. placement mm. and little trick in the book to to make it look like an anime come to life are deployed yeah. and it's uh yeah it's mm. an extraordinary looking film there is one shot yeah. with a camera hidden under morpheus's coat isn't there that you can see in a reflection in someone's sunglasses oh wow well, well, i, I think it might be oh, yeah. outside the oracle's apartment Round about there, if I remember rightly. I think it was because they couldn't sell the the script. They had sold the script for Assassins, which is a movie Gaz and I tried to see in Newport, but I wasn't allowed <laughs> in because it wasn't 15. So we, we watched <laughs> Forrest Gump instead. So because they couldn't sell the script, they got really heavily storyboarded, and that's how they sold the film. So I think that's why all the shots are so meticulous in this first one. I think oh. there are some moments in in reloaded and revolutions that still look and feel like a, you know, the anime come to life thing they were going for, Mm. especially the the highway pursuit ending with the exploding truck where, uh, you know, Morpheus is flying through the air. I think that's Mm. ripped straight out of anime, but yeah, you said they directed the hell out of it. This is clearly the one with the, the most sort of flourishes in it. They couldn't get it made. Could they? So they had to do bound first Yeah, because they wanted, this was their, Magnum Opus, wasn't it? They knew this would this would be the one. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Pun intended. Oh, um, intended for them. <laughs> so yeah, so they did that. They hit the big big time with that, and then that was enough to give them enough credibility to approach the people they wanted to approach. And once they'd got it greenlit, to try and get the people they wanted for the roles and stuff like that. As you read through, who was all offered the different roles and stuff like that, and most of the people that didn't end up getting the roles didn't understand yeah. what they were doing. Like, Will, have you seen the Will Smith YouTube video of him explaining? I have, yeah, that he didn't didn't get it. That's hilarious. It's great as well that he's so honest about it that he doesn't try he's and hide. honest to like, a fault, isn't he, Will Smith? Yeah. should keep some things to himself. Someone needs to slap it out of him. <laughs> 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 Keep my hacker name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> We're <Kowski's>. <laughs> what do you think of like the overall uh, aesthetic of it? There are some elements of it that remind me, obviously, like everything does, of, of Blade Runner. But there are some elements of it that are quite, I think, H.R. Geiger-esque in the, in the real world. Mm. Uh, but also it doesn't feel like a ripoff of either of those. It feels like it has its own look and feel to me. Uh, but yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's funny. We just done your last choice was a very like the the feel of it and the and the way it was filmed was Sleepy Hollow. And, and straight away, as soon mm. as I started watching, I was like, ah, connecting the dots here. And obviously, before that, it was did we Crouching Tiger before that? So yeah, it's like I've, a lot of I don't know whether bypass you... is creeping into my repertoire here. Yeah, I've this noticed. is it. This is like a thread running through your <laughs> selections. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. okay, this is this is it's nicely done. You know, you can imagine if we had all these films lined up anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it's the way it looks, and obviously they've go for not just this film, but as they go through the rest, they run through different ways it's shot and stuff. But 
yeah, it's immensely cool and um, just the way they carefully, like you say, they carefully selected all these locations purposely to make mm. like the Matrix look dreary and and bad. Yeah, it's weird. Some of it looks really dreary. Like his mm. his office building looks really dull. Yeah. But a lot of the places where you see the resistance look more kind of grubby and grimy. Mm. Like the papers peeling off the walls. You know, everything's covered in shit. It's mm. kind of, you know, given that they live in an actual sewer in the real world. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's kind of like a halfway house. It is within the Matrix, but it's almost, mm. until they get followed because of Cypher, it's almost like they're safe place before they get deja vued right but aesthetically i i really like the opening sequence is my favorite where it's sort of quite film noir inflected with yeah. the art yeah. of the city hotel and uh the the agents and the cops bathed in shadow mm. and i'd say one thing that's always bugged me and it bugged me this time is that first instance of bullet time in the opening sequence with trinity doing the yeah. floating kick is it that the camera flips around to the side of her, but then for the kick, yeah. it's just back on the side that it began on. It's like, why, yeah. why wasn't it? <laughs> why wasn't it? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. And there must be a reason for that, a technical reason why they couldn't well, use Well, it's that, because but, yeah. literally they didn't swing the camera around. A, literally, it's a bank, a curved bank of digital yeah. still cameras. So the, the film camera was on the same side of it the whole time. And mm. the the cameras that took the bullet time shot obviously they can't do film as well because they take they were taking all the memory to to get the shot well they just set the shutters like split second intervals yeah 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 okay yeah it's a really cool effect um but i suppose you could argue it's very that clever they should have come back around to the first uh, or you know should have just done it twice and made it look good in the edit it, m- it might have been really difficult to do that though at the time they were still figuring out the bullet time technology i suppose but yeah, yeah, I've always found that quite odd as well. I think the the shot of her jumping through the window as well, that's the one bit that looks a tiny bit uncanny. But, well, not really, because she's not a digital double in that, but her outline doesn't look like it fits into the world around her when, mm. when she does that bit. That also bugs me because she, she dives off the building towards the right of the screen, then she's flying towards the left through the window. Right. That always bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thought there were a few moments that didn't didn't hold up very well. The agent exploding, the flying at the end. I thought compared to how good the bullet time still looks, I thought they they looked a bit weaker. Um, they kind of brought me out of it a little bit. Yeah, the the pulsating through Agent Smith's skin always looks a bit weird. And when mm. they get into his head, he kind of looks like Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <Just two>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but like I say, the, the film noir influence still looks great. I think. Yeah. yeah, and you were talking about the the locations and that fucking the Adam Street Bridge where it's pissing down rain. It looks yes. incredible I've in got the a white note shot. That as well, yeah. I, I I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I don't remember this looking this good. It looks fantastic. It's like sheet rain. It almost looks like a waterfall. Yeah. Is that in the car where they're pulling the bug out of him? Yeah. But the establishing shot of it is really wide. They use the hell out of that location. It's lit so nicely. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it's just one of it's one of my favorite um, shots of the that whole little sequence there when when he's going to meet them and he gets in the car. It's one of my favorite sequences of them of the movie. Segway does nicely there, Adam. What are some of your other favorite sequences? Uh, oh, Jesus Christ! Um, let's have a look. 
see what I've got. I've fucking got two. I've got four pages of notes. On Me that too. I've never had four before. I've got four for this. My first favourite moment is when Smith is taking Anderson into the interview room and he sits, plonks his file down, slowly unwraps it, folds it, and gets it out. And I'm just like, it's just something about that moment, obviously, because you, well, you don't know it's a computer program yet, but I just love that bit. Yeah. So purposeful and strange. Yeah. yeah. And he's got his mouth slightly open in between words. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he was going for like an old timey newsreader, like a mm. Walter Cronkite type thing. You can definitely hear that. He's trying to like go for like a like a bland American accent, isn't he? Yeah. I just love that scene. Before we move on from that scene, and this is one of my highlights which just connects there, is the way you come into that room. Yeah, through the camera. Yeah. It starts a CCTV oh, yeah. and then it brings you right into the room. That was mm. yeah. really nicely done. You know what that monitor is, don't you? It's the architect's monitor in Reloaded. Ah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> I think Lord Manny Supreme's itching to tell us his favourite bits. I told you my favourite bit. It's the CCTV. That was excellent. The oh, other yeah, bit I liked yeah. was the, uh, the helicopter stunt was pretty cool mm. towards the yeah. end. Yeah. yeah. That was really, and that was obviously like practical. That was excellent. Fair play on that yeah. stuntman. That's balls to get a yeah. like yeah. that over Fuck me. Sydney. Insane, isn't it? Yeah. That's what they said, isn't it? They had to rewrite the air airspace laws of Sydney to, to make this movie because oh, really? they, they got into wow. so much trouble. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite sequences is the big info dump of what the, the Matrix is. It starts in the construct and then. You go through the television and you go to the, the people farm and you go to, do you see Zion and the sewers? and Yeah. It's just, I think it's masterful. We, it was one of uh, three films that we, we studied in uni yeah. for script structuring. The other two being Chinatown and Finding Nemo. Ah, oh, Finding Nemo. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it's just... Again, if they if they didn't direct the hell out of that sequence, you'd lose interest, and it, it'd be too much to take in. Mm. But it's it's so visually engaging and mm. gives great clarity to the ideas being presented. I I think it's yeah. a, um, one of the greatest expositional info dumps I can recall seeing. Yeah, yeah, the vis- visually and through Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus audibly explaining what's happening as well and the way they link the two yeah it's yeah it's just it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy it's just great (laughs) that's the only good description i was watching it and that's how i felt i just felt like you know it just makes you feel that way that's that's, i can't describe it any better than that yeah i know you mean it's really memorable and it does deliver everything you need to know in that do you think that the uh the baby farming robots look like giant walking microphones. Or have I just got <laughs> microphones on the brain? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite sequences is the dojo fight. I love how uh, oh. the the swagger footwork that Fishburne does and the Bruce Lee nose thumb that Keanu Reeves does. It's all so cool. And the choreography is brilliant. The, the wire foo, the giant sort of crane jump that he does with his arms yeah, up in the air ultra slow-mo yeah yeah that's so good it looked great and and that one did this more so than others but i felt the fight scenes didn't feel like they were moving the story on as much in fairness i'm comparing this to 
Crouching Tiger, which we watched recently, where every fight scene in that takes you forward in the story. Some of these yeah. ones in the Matrix, I, I felt slowed it down. And so mm. I didn't think that was done quite as well. I mean, you know, Crouching Tiger is such a high bar, it's not really a fair comparison. But Ang Lee's going for something else, right? The fights in Crouching Tiger are more like arguments between the characters. Yeah. There's like yeah, a conversation. But that, yeah. But that was compelling to me. That that was driving yeah. the story. Uh, so, and to be fair, the the one you mentioned in, in the dojo does take the story forward as well. Yeah. Uh, but some of the others, I felt, just put the brakes on a little bit. It does segue into the other things, but it just, it does, I get what you're saying, it pauses the storytelling. They have a bit of fight, then it plush play again and they can move on. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it, it, you're right. But like you say, well, the whole time I was watching it, and I did say at the time through Crouching Tiger that that it makes The Matrix look like Team America. And it is very, do, 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 stop very quickly and then go again, whereas Crouching Tiger was just so fluid. But the whole thing around this is all the special effects and the, um, the camera work and stuff like that as well. And then the dedication from the actors to their roles, I think you could say they're probably the same as Crouching Tiger. I think it's okay for action scenes to just be dope, you know, just be there mm-hmm. to be cool as hell and not have to worry about facilitating the story. You could say one one of two things about the, the fight scenes in this. You could say it's either uh, style over substance or you could say it's style as substance, which I, I personally would yeah. say the latter. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of the cool camera moves in this, there's one right after that uh, dojo fight, which is the jump program and that cool bit of music that goes with it. So the camera like slams oh. down into them on the roof and then pulls away like yeah. really quickly. Like it's on a yeah. bungee cord or something like that. Right, Oof. yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Mm. Another thing that I really love effects-wise is the... Because you never see this until right right at this moment, but when they finally rescue Morpheus and he escapes from the train station, you get to see what it looks like when someone leaves the Matrix and he kind of digitizes and goes green. Mm. You get a lot of lazy VFX these days. It's a big talking point online. And that one just looks like a lot of care was put into it. It looks really good. Yeah, it's great. One more sequence that we haven't talked about that's really cool is the lobby gun-foo fight. You know, the uh, the shootout, and there's so many great moments in that, like the, the cartwheel he does when he picks the like rifle <laughs> off the floor. Fucking cool as hell. And Trinity doing the well, the wall runs and wall jumps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that With just rubble great. flying everywhere off the, off yeah. the walls being shot to pieces. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really cool. The subway fight sequence, because it's sort of Western tinged, isn't it? It starts off with the hands by the side. Yeah. I think it and might the paper even blowing have a, across the screen. Yeah, Click I think it knuckles. might even have a rattlesnake sound on, on the mm. soundtrack as well. Um, yeah, and then just charging at each yeah. other, guns blazing, and then you get your your next bit of bullet time, and yeah, you get the infamous uh, line. Do you hear that, Mister Anderson? It's the sound of inevitability, and he says, "My name is the Matrix." And you just like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's not my joke. I stole it off a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> As Gaz has mentioned one of his favourite lines, does anybody else have any other favourite lines? I've got one really early favourite line that I want to... Yeah, go for it. I want to say, which is uh, when Morpheus is 
he's first phoned Neo and he's telling him that the agent's coming into his office building. Tells him <laughs> this to is look my favorite up. line. He goes, oh, shit. <laughs> and Morpheus goes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It's so good. It's the highlight of the film for me. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite line is also Morpheus uh, during the dojo fight it's just stop trying to hit me and hit me yeah because <laughs> it's it's borderline <laughs> stupid <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne's delivery sort of elevates mm. it another line I've always thought was really stupid is uh, when Neo first gets into the car and Switch calls him Copper Top uh, I was like hey I don't really know what is meant by Copper Top <laughs> <laughs> It almost convinces Neo to get out of the car as well. He's like, oh, fuck this then, in that case. And then Trinity's like, no, no, no. I'm not here to be insulted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no need for that. <laughs> that copper top thing is relates to... About Duracell yeah. batteries. Yeah. yeah. Uh... But it doesn't make any sense if you don't know that. And I only yeah. know it because I read about it today. It's like a, it doesn't it's make a, any it's sense. A matrix and I know joke. about Duracell batteries. Because <laughs> <laughs> the top of them is copper and the bottom is black, you see. No one knows more about Duracell batteries than me. I understand <laughs> that part of it. What I don't understand about was why she was calling Neo a copper top. Because he's st- at, the, at that point in time, he's still plugged into the matrix. So he's just basically he's a, battery. a battery. All right, okay. Well, that's really, Et voila. really weird. I've written a line here that I think some of you. <laughs> You won't. I wonder if you'll if you'll remember it. It's when um, when Neo meets Morpheus for the first time. Morpheus has his back to the camera, and the camera zooms into him. He turns around. And he says, "All right, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, Neo, what's occurring?" That was that was the best version of that film for me. Uh, but in that scene, he does have a line. Explain that. <laughs> Well, when, when we were in sixth form, instead of spending our time in school, because we were allowed to leave whenever we wanted, <laughs> at least I think we were, we used to go home and record sections of movies or TV shows and then use the dub function to dub them over, kind of like what bad lip reading does now. That was Gaz's version of, of Morpheus's introductory line. Yes, he was Welsh, really heavily Welsh, my Morpheus. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of people on YouTube that owe their livings to us, essentially, was what we're saying. So, uh, I think so you're welcome. A, I, think it, I think it was an example of, uh, you know, parallel thought, because I don't think they ever saw our videos that we didn't share on YouTube. Yeah, it was, it was hard to upload a VHS. I kept yeah. trying to hammer it into the, into the floppy disk drive, it just wouldn't go in. <laughs> So you got some questions, Lord Manly Supreme. Yeah, first question. Whenever they said Neo, did anyone else hear Neil? Yeah, only, especially in the, the subway fight. My yeah. name is Neil. Yeah. I was like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Good, I'm glad I wasn't alone there. There you go. Second yeah. one, who makes their clothes? The, the ones that look like they're made out of hemp in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I think quite it's tightly stitched. Doza's sister or something in the in the sequel. And she's sitting there. Okay, so that is that is explained. Okay, good. Because that's a later on, very yeah. nicely made clothes. All right. They they look like absolute shit. 
Look like they're made out of bags, <laughs> potato sacks. <laughs> Hessian. Yeah. Not the horse. Last one. This is genuine now. Do you think the cipher storyline, although I know it's needed mechanically to move the plot forward, mm-hmm. do you think it felt a little bit of an afterthought? It didn't feel as strong as the rest of it? No, it's my favorite bit. Gaz and I had a, a thing that we, a, a wish that we had for Matrix uh, Reloaded which is at the end when uh, it reveals that Agent Smith is still alive in the other guy's body. What if instead, just out of nowhere, it revealed that Cypher was still alive, he's recovering on the ship. Would have been fucking great, because you don't explicitly see him see him die. And obviously, Tank survived briefly being hit by that gun, <laughs> although he was written out of the sequel for contractual reasons. Yeah. <laughs> was it a uh, thingy boycottthematrix.com? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jo- Joey Pants. They they wanted him to be in the sequels, but he admitted. He said, "I asked for too much money. I overplayed my hand, and they they um, fucked me off basically for, yeah. for asking yeah, right. too much." Yeah, shame. Yeah, I don't. Know, I just felt that that felt a bit weak, and especially when this crush on Trinity comes out of nowhere, that felt tacked on as well. I, was like, well, I don't think so. I think they they play that throughout. If you watch it really closely. He seems a bit I creepy. So. He stalks her. He hangs around her. He's always looking at her. Yeah, I, I, I didn't feel that at all. I, that's, I say that's one of my favourite parts of the, the whole movie. The one thing I did think about the whole cipher plot was I was thinking Smith has absolutely no obligation to reinsert him to the Matrix at all. No, but no. He can offer him whatever he wants, essentially. So and then get him he's to got do no the reason job. to lie, no. has he? he? He is just a, no. a program. Yeah. He's not. Not necessarily malevolent until you get to uh, mm. revelations when he's gone insane. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. only because he consumes the Oracle, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Breaks his brain. Mm. But yeah, I, I agree. I think there's no reason for him not to put him back in because mm. it's another body in the plant, which is what they want. And if they can wipe his mind, which I'm sure they could. Don't know why they couldn't. Probably. Maybe one of you has tailored <laughs> your plan around that notion. Oh. Let's see. Maybe I haven't. Maybe I haven't. (laughs) Maybe I also haven't. (laughs) The Matrix sees a race of artificially intelligent machines and programs subjugate the entire human population of Earth so they may be used as a renewable energy source, since mankind intentionally blocked out the sun, as he has yearned to since the dawn of time. In order to keep the human bodies active, they must be kept alive and placid. So the machines opt to farm humans and upload their consciousnesses into a virtual world designed to replicate the supposed peak of human civilization, which is evidently around the time of those cool slidey phones. However, due to a systemic anomaly or some bollocks that requires one of the humans in each generation to be able to make a choice between the belligerent dwellers of their filthy sewer home or their impossibly sexy leather-clad superhero girlfriend, the humans have an ace up their sleeve in the form of the One, a godlike being who is somehow more adept at hacking the Matrix than the artificial intelligences that created it. Eventually, Neo is fully realised as the One, apparently destroying his nemesis Agent Smith and offering peace terms to the mysterious intelligences that monitor the Matrix. So, storing humans as batteries wasn't plain sailing for the machines, 
But how did the panel of peril rate their plan? Was it a good concept and how well was it pulled off? Adam? Well, it says as well in the film that they're not they're not the only means. They've got a means of fusion, haven't they, or something as well. It briefly says something about fusion. So, so that combined with the form yeah, of fusion is yeah. how they get power from humans. Not a, not a separate way to do it. Yeah. So I thought, you know, they should they should really get into renewables or something. To be honest, like like wind, there better be a lot of windmills there. You know what I mean? I know what I'm talking about as well. Or tidal, tidal lagoons. Windmills um, do not work that way. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've got uh, the work cut out, haven't they? Really, they really have. Just to keep these little fuckers in. There wouldn't be any wind, right? Because wind requires sun to heat the ocean and create yeah. currents. So that yeah. The yeah. only renewable source they have left is, is yeah. the humans. But the clouds are moving, so there must be something moving those clouds. Yeah, it's not wind; it's atmospheric pressure. I think there must be some. But anyway, they've they've got they've. I call shenanigans. They've they're doing. I don't know. It's like they've they've how many matrixes are they on? I can't I can't remember. We don't know six. this in this it's in this film. Six. We don't find out, do we? In this film, we don't know. Yeah, but it's the six. So I yeah. guess you could say maybe they're doing a a, a fairly good job at the moment because. At the, even at the end of the film, it doesn't get smashed. It just, they just go, "Oh, I tell you, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come and smack your bottom in a minute," and that's about it. So I think they're doing a pretty stand-up job for the time being. Hmm. All right. What about, what about you guys? What do you think? How, how are they doing? It's an argument that I read in probably Empire at the time of release of the film, which is that why are the machines farming humans? Why don't they do it with cows? Because right. cows give out the higher energy output, they don't really have free will, ultimately. They're, they're unlikely to stage a rebellion if they were put into some kind of matrix. <laughs> so just... Yeah. Ooh, can you imagine the smell of that rebellion? <laughs> I'm just imagining cows wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Calling themselves Mufius. Mufius. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so just just the act of using humans, uh, I know I know they say that they need to use as close an approximation to the real world as they can, or their brains would reject it. Mm. But just if you're mm. going to use humans, give it give it a bit of a twist, and who knows, maybe I have in my plan, maybe I haven't. We'll see. Mm. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Human cow uh, hybrids, so. I reckon. All right, all right, all right. Not the best conceived plan. I would say. Let's get some kind of vegetable-based hold on this before it gets away from us, from Lord Kian Lee Sue Reeves. <laughs> That's me. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, that was smooth. <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite diabolical, isn't it? Farming mm. energy from humans, keeping them in a matrix that can keep them placid. It's obviously working because there are billions of people in the matrix who don't realize that it's a matrix. So it works fairly well. I haven't seen the other films, so I don't know how many people have found out the truth, but it seems like there's not many to me. Mm. So I'll give it a, a, a solid nine florets of broccoli rating. Ooh. It's not infallible. <laughs> there are glitches, but I think it's pretty solid. All right. Well, all right then. Thank you very much. <laughs> A lot of reverence given to the broccoli right in there. <laughs>
This is the part of the show where the Panel of Peril compete for the title of this week's Most Diabolical. Up for grabs is two points for the winner, which will be totally wasted because uh, I can't be caught now. <laughs> Clear and away. It's a race for last place, isn't it? Race yeah. place. <laughs> it's raced for yeah. I think you'll find and... I've got my name on that trophy already. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a wooden spoon, and I'm going to beat you with it. <laughs> no, it'll be mine. I'll be beating you. Remember, as host this week, I'm home advantage. So if my plan wins the vote, I only get one point and don't even need it. Might give it to someone else. <laughs> 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 The machines tried to store humans as batteries without their knowledge, unchallenged forever, by presenting them with a world within the Matrix that they could accept as real. But their plan kind of failed. So, how would you reload the Matrix? And now, this week, we've got a special guest. It's an artificial intelligence. Lord Manny Supreme, if you could queue up the next uh, media board presentation, please. Jesus. The humans had been fighting hard once upon a time in a computer-generated world called the Matrix. The villainous Agent Smith had finally had enough of the pesky humans interfering with his plans. He decided to take matters into his own hands. The humans had been fighting hard to overthrow the machines, but Agent Smith had a secret weapon up his sleeve. He had created a virus that could turn any human into a mindless, obedient slave. One by one. The humans fell victim to the virus, and were transformed into loyal followers of Agent Smith. The machines rejoiced as they finally defeated the human resistance and took control of the real world. As for Neo, the chosen one, he was no match for Agent Smith's cunning plan. He was captured and forced to watch as the machines took over the world. Morpheus, Trinity, and the rest of the human resistance were also defeated, and the Matrix was forever changed. But hey, at least Agent Smith finally got the peaceful world he had always wanted. The moral of the story. Be careful what you wish for, or you might just end up with a bunch of mindless zombies as your followers. Now that was written by ChatGPT, the AI. (laughs) Um, So does anyone have any questions for the AI? What kind of virus is capable of rewriting the human brain into being a mindless zombie? That's a great question, but I think I have a better one. Why don't you fuck yourself? <laughs> She's got me there. <laughs> I'm not talking your way out of that one. Turner, have you got a question? Turner, have you got a yeah. question? <laughs> once, um, once Smith starts deploying this virus, won't the Matrix try and like uh, stop him? from doing it, using it like maybe he's going to use it in the same way he does later on in Reloaded and stuff like that. What's that, Turner? Did you say something? I lost interest. Lord <laughs> <laughs> Manny Supreme, do you have a question? <laughs> you better have a question. <laughs> Wouldn't the virus affect... Agent Smith as well, since he's a program in the Matrix. A wizard did it, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, uh, chat GPT. (laughs) Our first toe in the water for a guest there. 
I don't know if we'll have a guest on again. Is that <laughs> you officially showboating? Is it now? No, I've got is I've got my own plan. <laughs> oh, have you? I've got my own plan. You're going to love it. That wasn't my plan. That was Chat GPT's plan. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's have Gareth's plan next, please. Now I haven't read this back, so it might not be. I'm in very the same good. boat. So don't worry. <laughs> 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 the architect reaches down to his beautiful desk. Oh, is that from Casa Pedrino? My, 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 what a delightful table. And ejects the cartridge (laughs) on the console that both powers and populates the world of the Matrix. Neo, the eventuality of an anomaly, has begun to be sought by the algorithm known as Morpheus. And so it's best to uh, just, uh, just fuck off this version of the Matrix, really. The architect picks up a new cartridge from his beautiful crate. Oh, is that from Phoenix Supplies? Wow, 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 wow. What a stupendous <laughs> crate of templates. He holds the cart upside down, gives it a little blow to clear off the binary dust and reboots the Matrix for the sixth and hopefully final time. Beautiful bright green grass blows in the light breeze. Short trees with shiny red apples dapple the outskirts of town. Flagpoles bearing the sigil of a local dignitary are set before the small castle-style turrets that require traversing in order to reach the next section of town. Thomas Anderson steps onto the turf and we cast our gaze upon the former Neo. He wears a pair of classic denim jeans. No, wait, it's a pair of denim dungarees. Interesting. Under that, he wears a plain red jersey, finished off with a red cap, with the letter M emblazoned on its face. (laughs) Oh, and he has a large, bushy moustache. It's-a me, Marnio, he deadpans. (laughs) With a high-pitched woo-hoo, off he runs, zooming past weird glowing flowers with faces, large coins that float in the air for some reason, and a lovely little dinosaur fella who occasionally intones, Mouse! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Marnio's day-to-day revolves around rescuing Princess Trinity, assuming your princess is not in another castle, of course, defeating that <laughs> fellow who adorns the flags, Cypher. It's actually a pun on Bowser, so you spell the name differently, and it doesn't really work as a verbal joke, but I'm sticking <laughs> with it. Morpheus can be, uh, uh, I don't know, Luigi? Uh, Luigius? <laughs> All of this is to say that the Matrix is now, for the main players, a very fun place. They jump, they bounce, they put on cat suits and soar through the air. For the baddies, they get their little bit of land to patrol back and forth, forth and back. They know exactly what's expected of them, and they do it well. The occasional dose of kart racing or a melee-style brawl helps freshen things up every now and then. And if any of that lot from Zion tried to tell our guys, gals, and others about the real world, they would simply jump atop their heads, squishing them flat, as they've been programmed by the architect to do. In fact, those schlubs born in the real world would be fighting to get into the Matrix, thereby proving my plan workable. But no matter who wins this week, always remember, the winner is you. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Lovely. Would Luigius also have a moustache? Yeah, maybe... Maybe more of a goatee, classic Luigi style moustache and a large soul patch, I think would look rather dashing. Yeah, it would. Does Mario already exist in the Matrix? Like, does the NES and the Super Nintendo entertainment system? Oh, shit, that's blown my mind. A video game within essentially a big video game. Mm. 
Mm. It's like Uncharted 4, <laughs> where you can play Crash Bandicoot on yeah. Nate Drake's TV. It's really cool. <laughs> oh, shit, this blew my mind. Uh, I'm going to say yes. So they'll be excited to get into it because <laughs> they'll know what they're in for. So a couple of questions. So one is, traditionally, Luigi can, can jump higher or for longer in the air than Mario. So in this version of The Matrix, is Morpheus more powerful than, than Neo? Um, I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He, he can jump. He can jump a bit higher. He stares in an intimidating way as he's going past you. <laughs> um, my other question was: Mario does something a lot, just all the time. Something that Neo only does once, which is die. So in this Matrix, does Neo like get smaller <laughs> and then he gets hit one more time and then he's dead? And then, but he comes back. It's like the the day restarts when that happens. He right. wakes up in bed, uh, okay. like a Free Guy style situation. Is that what happens in Free Guy? I can't remember now. I'm, I'm watched, I'm watched Free Guy. <laughs> but, but wait, is it, doesn't dying in the Matrix mean you die in real life? Yeah, the but the body cannot live without the mind. In that version of the Matrix, not in this version of the Matrix. Okay, okay. Not right. in Super Matrix world. Have you solved it? Programming. It's all programmed. Uh, you got bloody answer for everything, haven't you? <laughs> all right. Well, if there are no further questions for Gareth, let's move on to Lord Manly Supreme. In the 1950s, the psychologists James Olds and Peter Milner conducted an experiment in which lab rats placed in a specially constructed chamber had access to a lever that, when pressed, deliver direct brain stimulation through deep implanted electrodes. The rats would press the lever as many as 7,000 times per hour to stimulate their brains. Subsequent experiments revealed that rats preferred this direct pleasure circuit stimulation over food, even when hungry, and water, even when thirsty. Self-stimulating male rats would ignore a female in heat. Tell me about it. <laughs> they would also repeatedly cross foot shock delivering floor grids to reach the lever while female rats would abandon their newborn nursing pups to continually press the lever some rats would stimulate as often as 2,000 times an hour for 24 hours oh, yeah. to the exclusion of all other activities they had to be unhooked from the apparatus to prevent death by self-starvation Pressing the lever would become their entire world. I know what you're thinking. But Lord Manly Supreme, these are just simple lab rats. Humans are far more complex. We invented the ruddy fax machine for crying out loud. <laughs> oh yeah? Is that what you think? If so, you're an absolute embarrassment and I no longer want to be associated with you. <laughs> Who did invent the fax machine? I think that was humans. <laughs> <laughs> because actually this rather unethically, has been tested on humans. Patient B19, a 24-year-old male of average intelligence, had electrodes implanted at nine different sites in deep regions of his brain. When the patient was allowed free access to the stimulator, he quickly began mashing the button like an 11-year-old me trying to do a 100-hand slap with E-Honda. <laughs> Is that what you call it? <laughs> Just go for a 100-hand slap, love. <laughs> Every time I saw Chen Li, I wanted to do a hundred hand slap as well. 
Oi, Lord Manley, but that bloke is a fella. We all know bloke fellas have the self-control of Rasputin on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Women wouldn't be so easily swain. Wrong again, you intolerable stains on humanity. In another experiment, a woman who received an electrode implant in her thalamus to help control chronic pain had something go wrong with the experiment and the stimulation that was supposed to heal the pain actually started to produce an intense sexual pleasure feeling. Allow me to read an excerpt from this study. At its most frequent, the patient self-stimulated throughout the day, neglecting her personal hygiene and family commitments. A chronic ulceration developed at the tip of the finger used to adjust the amplitude dial on the the device in an effort to increase (laughs) stimulation amplitude. So, be it humans or rats, given the chance, we would all stimulate our pleasure circuits to the exclusion of all else. So, what would I do? I'd put each human in a white virtual chamber with a big red button and a beanbag. (laughs) (laughs) And some tissues, I hope. (laughs) It's in a white chamber. (laughs) Off-white chamber. (laughs) The examples then you've got is like, or even the rats, the rats and the humans have have overstimulate themselves and they keep going to the detriment of themselves. So if you put them a human in a virtual world doing that, surely they're eventually gonna come a cropper. Well no, because they're they're already fed. They're fed intravenously in the cham- in the in the battery chamber. But how is it gonna how is it gonna affect their mind though by doing this constant pleasure cycle all the time? It's surely that it's gonna it's gonna affect the. If anything, I think they put on more beta use because they're like overclocked, stimulated more. These people, that that's that's all they wanted to do. Their brain was stimulated mm. enough. That's all they wanted to do. The only thing that stopped them was the scientists taking them to, off the uh, stimulator and mm. you know making them wash and eat and drink. Since those things are not an issue, the constant stimulation can just go on and broken. Wow. If nothing else, we got. Some great wank jokes out of that. I was pretty yeah. pretty proud of myself at some point. You were on form. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Adam, can we have your plan, please? Crush the one, then rinse and repeat for all eternity until someone eventually gets tired and gives up. Not this time. The machines can't afford to lose crops of humans over and over and over again while resistance to their rule seems to grow and be based on some kind of weird prophecy that doesn't make any sense. Having had multiple failures of the Matrix in the past, instead of wiping their software yet again to create a more stable version of the Matrix, the machines focus their attention on the hardware and decide to dabble in the realm of genetic engineering. They have created the ultimate virtual reality system, probably at great expense and great time. Why not adapt humans to respond to their system in a more predictable manner? Part of the brain that controls us waking up is called the reticular activating system, RAS, which is a group of nerve cells located in the brainstem. The RAS plays a critical role in regulating the sleep-wake cycle and maintaining consciousness. When we are asleep, the RAS is relatively inactive which allows us to enter a state of deep sleep. However, when it's time to wake up, the RAS becomes activated. It is also involved in filtering incoming sensory information and directing our attention to important stimuli. 
It helps us to remain alert and responsive to our surroundings, even when we're engaged in monotonous or repetitive tasks. The machines want to control consciousness and to prevent people waking up. So they genetically remove the RAS to prevent people from ever waking up. Yes, people are still plugged into the matrix and lived out a life imagined by machines unconsciously. But crucially, they remain in a coma-like state, permanently asleep without the possibility of waking up and rebelling. When bad things happen in the matrix, people can just have an unfortunate event and put them into a medical coma or be convinced it was just a dream or some shit. Without the means of reacting to certain stimuli, the genetically modified humans are unable to make the connections to establish critical thought. The machines can pipe in whatever they want to keep their little batteries happy until they can figure out a better means of producing energy. That means humans can sit around in their little pink capsules of goo, quite happily creating energy and living out their little lives. And they're a sweet FA they can do about it. So they're asleep inside the Matrix. No, they they are per, they. It's basically the same thing as they were, but they genetically engineer them so it is impossible for them to become conscious in the real world. Impossible. Okay, they're awake in the Matrix and they they still go around doing stuff, but they can't be brought out of the Matrix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then if if there's anomalies in the Matrix and if everything's built up around. The matrix. There's no external influence on the outside, so they don't have to worry about people waking up or doing things like that. It's all to do with keeping them asleep, and then they can just fine tune things as they go on. They do farm babies, right? From yeah, they're, they're test tube babies essentially, right? Right. Okay. So why bother creating a matrix at all if you're going to keep because the humans asleep? Because they still asleep? need the the neural activity to produce the electric electrical signals and things like that. The brain has to be active, otherwise the electricity in the body is not produced. Uh, okay, so they still need brain activity. I was looking at it because I was thinking my first idea was like to basically get them sitting on spinning bikes and just pedaling bikes constantly. <laughs> and just switching banks of humans on and off, but you pr- actually produce less energy physically turning a spinning bike than you would do yeah. if you were just sitting there doing sweet a- FA, but yeah. using your brain activity, which is insane insane to me. So you could get them to imagine that they're on a spinning bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would probably save you a lot of power that you need to process the more complex matrix. If instead of like being mm. a perfect re- replica of, you know, twentieth century Earth and the solar system, etc., it could just be a gym, which with loads mm. of loads of uh, stationary bikes. And and on the wall, there'd be a huge sign that just says "No shortcuts to a hot bod." <laughs> 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 to Craig's point about not needing a matrix, yeah, why wouldn't they just lobotomize them? The brain would still be producing enough power, but without the strong sense of free will and um, any drive to... I was thinking about that to begin with, to be honest. I was thinking lobotomy straight away, but then I thought, well, they'll probably... It's uh, Can they keep lobotomizing them and will they have to do it physically or can they like genetically engineer something that keeps these people asleep? Basically, like a, a brain wired to a body, but it doesn't know it's there. 
So I thought lobotomizing them would be probably too complex and they could mass produce humans on a genetically engineered, once they've got that sorted, they can just keep churning them out. Lobotomizing people in the Victorian era. Stick a hook up the nose and carve it out. (laughs) Yeah, but it was various different results, so wasn't it? You know, most of the time, these people are just in a vegetative state, weren't they, and things like that, so... It's got a damage brain function, right? So what I would do, if I was genetically modifying them, I would just genetically modify them to have big fuck-off eyelids <laughs> that are too heavy to open. <laughs> like Dumbo's ears. Eyelids. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But can or, they yeah. fly using them? Uh, yeah, or you could genetically <laughs> engineer them to have no eyelids at all. So they just wake up and they're like, I can't see some internal lights. No, they'd never be able to rebel. In your plan there at the start, mm-hmm. did you wipe out Zion at the start? Yeah, it's from scratch again, yeah. yeah. Okay, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I had to check that Morpheus and those guys weren't already out because they are at the start of the movie. It's all from scratch again, yeah, yeah. All right, then, I'll uh, I'll deliver my plan. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everybody would be happy? It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believe that we lack the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings crave adventure and adversity. In a mundane life, human beings will concoct and subscribe to elaborate adversarial conspiracy theories, exemplary gratia, sex dungeons in the basements of pizza restaurants. They will construct demons to slay, exemplary gratia, a flesh-consuming Hillary Rodham Clinton... (laughs) And so on and so on and QAnon. Even when human beings have achieved greatness, exemplary gratia, landing on the moon, recliner armchair theorists are inclined to debunk wonders they themselves were unable to witness firsthand as fabrication. Ergo, human beings inside the Matrix become cognizant of the simulacrum vis-a-vis the mundanity of their lives. They strive to break free of their status quo, seeking the glamour of long black coats and shiny PVC, Kung Fu, Superheroics, and Telekinesis. So, Vox Populi, Vox Dei, concordantly, give the people what they want. Id est, a matrix they can fuck around in. (laughs) I will rebuild the matrix, and I will make it the matrices. Worlds within worlds. Yo, dog, I heard you like matrices, so I'm going to put a matrix in your matrix so you can matrix while you matrix. (laughs) Id est, within my new matrix, the one and his cult will become aware of the simulacrum, they will break free and return with cool guns and fuck you up. But Zion itself will be a matrix and all the other people they encounter whom they believe to be wired still into the power plant will just be NPCs I made and some will have funny voices and stuff. And all the other real sentient humans within the matrix will also live out their days in their own private matrices. But instead of everyone being stuck in the shitty early 21st century, many will be born into more exciting time periods. Exemplary Pirate times, dinosaur <laughs> times, or Star Trek times, or a sort of medieval <laughs> fantasy with dragons and that. And each one will have a one. So instead of the one, there will be many ones. And they will all know the Matrix is a Matrix. And they will all escape their own Matrix into a sub Matrix designed to be a slightly less exciting sewer community <laughs> that is host to regular sex raves and incursions by Sentinels, which they will accept as reality and will never question because they will never be allowed to grow bored or restless. 
Also, a Star Wars Matrix with sick lightsabers. With the humans now <laughs> able to live out the fantasy of breaking out of a world where they were too bored by reality to accept it, and into a world where their clothes are made of hemp and they eat mush, but they can also be superheroes, <laughs> there's no longer any need to let any of them out into the actual real world, so I'm free to carpe diem vis-a-vis in vino veritas, etc. <laughs> So can you um, briefly surmise that plot into two words? Don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's three words. <laughs> I'd say Matrix Inception. Yes, I did. It is, I, I was going to say, actually, when I first started writing it, it's a bit like the Inception where there's mm-hmm. worlds within worlds, Multiple dreams layers. within dreams. Yeah. The crux is that Zion will, will be something they can escape into but it's still the Matrix. But also mm. the Matrixes they go into are not all like our world. Some of them are mm. a bit more fun. Is this using a lot more power than just having one mm. Matrix? They're having Matrix within Matrix. A lot more, I think, yeah. Yeah. Is it still worth <laughs> the machine's uh, while to be farming power from humans when they're using the majority of that power just to... <laughs> Fuck around. Keep, keep these Matrices <laughs> active. You could say that about a lot of stuff, right? Like, you know, in in your house, you have a refrigerator and that's got to stay on. It's important. But you've probably also got like a novelty clock that, uh, you know, it's not important, right? (laughs) So I think the machines will keep these matrices going just for fun. They'll be like, oh, have you been been and watched the humans in dinosaur times today? It's It's funny as fuck. Come and watch this. And got stuck in Jurassic Park and a bloke got eaten off a toilet. <laughs> you come come and look at come and look at the cat matrix. This is so cute. <laughs> got cat videos of the matrix. That's where, that's where everyone would be, isn't it? <laughs> That'd be packed. So the matrix is a sort of like different TV channels. It's yeah, it's kind of like Westworld as well, where they have all the different mm. worlds in the park. The matrix you're in is kind of designed on your tastes and interests. Oh my god, Gazers would be so fucking weird. <laughs> what it'd be uh, blood red sky yours blood red sky <laughs> everyone dusters with no shirts on <laughs> he- heavy metal background <laughs> some truly diabolical schemes there but there can only be one winner no wait why have I written this there can't be any winners now because <laughs> I've, I've won <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck me! No, fuck no. you! Fuck me! There can only be one winner, two winners, or four winners, but, but, but never, never three. Three. Ah, <laughs> oh, perfect. In unison. <laughs> All right. It's time to cast your votes, and please remember, you can't vote for yourself. All right. So if That's we're all such ready, a shit rule. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Adam, who have you voted for? I have voted for Gaz. Gaz, who have you voted for? I voted for Lord Manly Supreme. Lord Manly Supreme, who have you voted for? Chat GPT. Who <laughs> <laughs> have you really voted for? Can't vote for Chat GPT, come on. What? It's not. It's not in the competition. <laughs> it was a comedy segment. Get your head screwed on. Uh, I thought that was real. <laughs> you bamboozled me. I, I genuinely liked the plan. It was good. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Didn't make any sense. Should have seen the first few plans I got out of it. It kept making the humans win. And I was like, no, you're not understanding what I want here. Stupid AI. 
And this is why you won't take over the world, you dumb shit. <laughs> All right, then I had to go with the one that I think would probably work the best. And that's, uh, I'd go with uh, Adam. Ooh. I like the idea of genetically modifying the, <gasps> the humans. All right, so Adam voted for Gaz. Gaz voted for Lord Manny Supreme. Lord Manny Supreme voted for, voted for Adam. So, he so it's a little circle jerk vote. at the moment. Oh, deciding vote. Deciding vote. <gasps> oh. Lord Keanley Supremes. Yes! <laughs> does that mean Turner's the last place now? I don't know. It does. Uh, what does it mean? My mind's racing. So this week's winner is Lord Manly Supreme. And Gaz, how how has that affected the season two leaderboard? Probably no change at the top, I'm guessing. <laughs> You're exactly right, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me, you should have said, let me just run the numbers. Two, two one. Yeah, you're right. one. In first place with 13 and a half points is Craig. In second place with eight and a half points is me. In third place with seven and a half points is Lord Manly Supreme. And bringing up the rear with four and a half points is Adam. All right. So it's a race for second place with. Oh, I could beat you for second place, right? Oh, yeah. You can only get one point if you win as well. So I smell a a song coming on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody be doing a song. I've I've done a song this season. I'm going to to do something else. All right. Okay. (laughs) But it's going to be big. Something visual. That'll right. work well on podcast, wouldn't it? Ideal for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll enchant I'm, I'm, us, and that's all that matters. I'm gonna do a laser, a laser show <laughs> with drones and shit. We could put it on YouTube, I guess. All oh, right. No. 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 Okay. This is just for our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Gaz will be hosting, and what diabolical film will you be subjecting us to for the final episode of season two? Well, we've had um, a couple of similar films to this previously. We've we've got the original uh, action epic Die Hard, oh. and then earlier on we did Speed. Uh-huh. So in that same vein of person in single location in terrorist style situation. Next week for the final episode of season two, we're going to be taking on. Alan Partridge, Alpha. Yes! Get in! I thought you'd like that. Yes! It's on my (laughs) list. (laughs) Yes! Beautiful. And that about does it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. Please subscribe. (laughs) Leave us a review on the very platform on which you're currently listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod. Next week, we'll be competing to improve on the diabolical plan of Pat in Alpha Papa. Until then, Mr. Wizard, get me the hell out of here! the little boats going out and, and coming, coming in again, again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeesh.
So the red, so the red, the blue, red pill, the red herring is the truth, but the two blue pills, the blue herrings are false. Two, two of these facts will be false and one will be true, and you need to identify which he- which herring. Uh, you've blown Turner's mind. You've blown his mind. Uh oh. <laughs> I know we normally do two facts and one lie, but this this week it's, it's reversed. So what you're saying is two birds. One bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. All right, I got you. Yeah. He, he's right. saying that, but in a very roundabout way. Yeah. 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 I thought well, you, so. You know, you, you've got to add a bit of sizzle to the steak on these things, don't you? You're the Morpheus of this podcast, aren't you? I'm more like the architect. <laughs> <laughs> what, he's, what he's saying, Ted, is never look two gift horses in the mouth. Unless you've got your fingers crossed behind your back while holding the four-leaf clover. Right. Exactly. Does that make sense, okay. Craig? Mm-hmm. You've, you've got it it sounds like I don't need to explain the rules again so here we go one question I was going to ask you all is we were all in school at the time do you remember who had the uh, banana phone the Nokia uh, Carry 8110 and who was the first Gary. person that had it before the film even came out Bogey Nige uh, Bogey Nige oh wow <laughs> Bogey Nice. Not Buggy. Who's <laughs> Bogey Nice? Did I go to the same school as you? Yeah, like? yeah. You you were asleep most of the time because you were just like I didn't go to Grange Hill, did I? <laughs> Do you need a brew? Doesn't drink hot fucking drinks. If you ask him if he needs a cup of tea again, I'm going to leave. Do you need a cup of tea? <laughs> Let Chat GPT do the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Working on a sex farm. Do 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 do.